Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis and they have a look back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Russell Barnett, Chief Marketing Officer of My Mo Mochi Ice Cream. On the show today, we talk about challenger brands and leading challenger brands. And Russell has had a phenomenal experience doing this, starting with Mike's Hard Lemonade, moving to other brands such as Pop Chips, and his most recent venture with My Mo Mochi Ice Cream. We also talk about how to get more creativity out of your digital efforts to brand building for challenger brands, as well as the future of marketing. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Russell Barnett. Well, Russell, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. It's nice to be sitting face to face. I know, it's so nice. <laughs> I usually have these things that I'm like, uh, body language is tough. <laughs> exactly. So thanks for having me. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And for listeners, if you hear some weird construction in the background, we're in New York in a conference room and it should be quiet, but we never know. Never know. You never know what New York has in store for you. So, um, well, let's, Russell, let's start with your background because you've worked at some amazing challenger brands and traditional categories or challengers to traditional categories, I should say. Where did you start and why did you take that path? (laughs) Well, it wasn't by choice, (laughs) but I grew up in in the advertising business. My father's a creative director for a pretty big agency. And, uh, you know, I always thought creativity was one of those things that sort of permeated through 
the ability to draw or sculpt or create something with your hands. And I have stumps, uh, so that, so they don't work very well. And so I, I never really equated that with, with creativity and then got into a variety of different things and realized that I fell into marketing because frankly, it was what I grew up doing. I was what I grew up talking around the table about, and I was much more comfortable in that space because frankly, there are no wrong answers. There's just varying degrees of right. And I thought that was a pretty interesting way to, to go at it. Got very lucky after a small stint in the agency space to, uh, to do some fun work on the client side and uh, the rest is history. Okay. Yeah. Were there any, I know you, let's see, well, before we go to yeah. the switch yeah, that yeah. you did, were there any mentors that stand out? Yeah, there's a time? lot of, you know, there's a lot of great folks that, that I've had the, the privilege of working with. And I've been very fortunate to work on true innovation. I've been very fortunate to work on category creators and in many cases, category brands that were launching and failed categories. But there, there are a sort of a, a few that come to mind. There's a gentleman named Anthony Von Mandel who sort of drafted me to, to take on Mike's Hard Lemonade. And uh, Anthony is is kind of the, the Robert Mondavi of what's happened in Canada and really brought uh, wines and, and spirits and, and bad alcohol into a space up there that, that hadn't been seen before and really sort of became a world-class player in that space. And Anthony taught me just, just an amazing sense of, of detail and legacy mm-hmm. and really why he really wanted to build a business. And I thought that was very interesting. And I loved his story of sort of really starting his business out of the back of his car, his trunk of his car. And I thought that was such a, a fascinating way to go about it. Because if you know Anthony, he's a very polite, cordial, proper person. And I really enjoyed that sort of dichotomy of, uh, with right. him because he's feisty at, at that same time. I think Keith Belling at Pop was an amazing gentleman and continues to be. He truly understands how to build a business and understands how to, I think I really learned lifestyle from Keith mm-hmm. in a way that, that, that I hadn't understood how to, how to bring to a brand. Mm-hmm. And I also learned a lot of neuroses from Keith. And Keith, if you're listening, we, we know what we're talking about here. <laughs> but what his attention, no, nobody does detail like Keith Belling. And what that taught me was that sweat the small stuff. And then I got to work with a gentleman named Eve Potvin. And Eve Potman taught me not to sweat the small stuff. So uh, it was a, a real good unlearning of my learning. But what he did do is he, he taught purpose. And I really thought that was, was important in business. And I was, you know, at a certain age where I thought, you know, where purpose started to play a more relevant role in my, in my personal life. And so a lot of the purpose that came from Eve and in why you make certain choices with what you do, who you surround yourself with, how you act to your family, to your community, what you eat and its impact on the world is really sort of created a very personal moment for me. The other piece I loved about what Eve taught me was while Keith taught me everything had to be a 10, Eve was a classically trained, is a classically trained chef. And what Eve taught me was that he could make a single meal for a single person at a 10. But the moment you had to do that at scale, you really could get to about an eight. But the restaurant that you're in and the attitude around where people were eating and the people they were with and the, and the experience you gave them elevated that eight to a 10. And so what that really did was rounded the way to think about how one could go to market because it gave you that permission to have some flex and it gave you permission to create an awesome experience, build an amazing brand and know you still have room for improvement, but it's permissible room. And that was, that was just such a, 
what a liberating moment right. that was, you know, and still remains to this day to be a very liberating moment for me. Right. And now, um, frankly, I get to work with some amazing folks. You know, I get to work with a CEO named Craig Berger in our current venture. And I think from Craig, I, I continue to learn every day that what you spend your career doing and all that experience really does count. And what it, what it means is that you're accountable. And when you get to work in an environment where you're truly accountable, what it allows you to do is the buck stops with you. Right. And so all of that care and all of that purpose and all of that reason why, well, it's not just a reason why, because you got to get it done, but it's a reason why, because you've created the why. Mm. And the moment you create that why, oh man, it's just, uh, it's the most liberating and the scariest possible moment you could have. <laughs> it's almost like you're on the line. You're on the line, yeah. but it, but in a good but, way, yeah, it, but you know, it's it, holding yourself true. It's, it's holding yeah. yourself true. And it goes back to giving yourself permission to not be always a hundred percent. Right. Right. And so that's, that's been, that's been a really exciting time for us right now. Those are some fantastic lessons. Thank you. Yeah. You've been on quite the journey, almost a um, learning and unlearning to some degree. Like it's, I don't know if it's to call that Buddhism or Star no, Wars. No, I'm not a very <laughs> spiritual person. My right. wife will attest to that. She says I, I need to get a little bit more empathy, but uh, no, I think, I think what it is, is it's, it's, it's a constant look. It's just like the business that we're in. Yeah. It's a constant adjustment mm -hmm. and a brand is very human. Mm -hmm. And as, as someone who, who really sort of takes on the mantle of a brand, you have to sort of allow that humanity to come through. And so, you know, what I would have said three years ago or five years ago could be completely and a hundred percent incorrect today. And what I do today will be catastrophically incorrect and a complete disaster in five years. And so you just have to have that ability to sort of give yourself permission to grow a little bit. And frankly, learn from the people you who work for you. Right. That's the biggest piece right now for, for me is, you know, I, I have an amazing team of folks at, at MIMO who I learn from every single day, right. you know, they teach me the business. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I know early in your career, you started in advertising yeah. and you decided to pivot to client side. One, why? And then yeah. what did advertising teach you? Well, I'll tell you what advertising taught me. Yeah. What advertising taught me was that advertising isn't everything. And I didn't realize that until I got to the client side. And what I realized was that marketing in a lot of ways is a series of selling events is, and advertising is a selling event. And yes, it's, it's where a good amount of money goes, but in the day-to-day -day priorities of, of managing a business that is a branded item, it doesn't take up the amount of headspace that advertising people think it ought to. Right. And so that's, that's what I kind of learned. And it was a great lesson because what it does, again, it goes back to this permissive space, right. which is you have a lot of priorities mm -hmm. and you just have to learn how to give yourself permission to manage those priorities properly. Got it. I got fortunate enough to get out of the agency business. Anthony Von Mandel called me and said, I have this crazy alcoholic lemonade and I want you to manage it. And I had never <laughs> managed a brand. I had been in, in the advertising business. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And I kind of remember having the conversation with him and, and in my mind, I had, I had two options. This was a great experiment and we were either going to fail miserably or we were going to make history. And it was completely binary. <laughs> There was no middle ground with either of that. And I remember that the, the day I accepted the, the position from it, I looked at him and said, this is what's going to happen. Right. And funnily enough, both happened. <laughs> um, we created this amazing brand together, Mike's Hard Lemonade. We launched the brand. It was a, an amazing process to do it through 
a whole lot of learning and method of manufacture and really understanding a business beyond simply marketing because I just right. I, I knew that I had to I learned that I had to physically know how to make a product for the government to let me to name it a certain way right. and I didn't know that I'm like yeah you just call it lemonade well you can't quite do that right. you know so that was that was an interesting learning learning for me and what happened was we went and launched the product and it was a great day right. until we called it back because it fell out of solution oh. and so. Whoops. <laughs> and, but it wasn't, it wasn't right. It right. wasn't the right aesthetic. And right. could we have done it? Yeah, 100%. But we shuttled it for another year. Wow. So we failed. Yeah. So I went up to Canada and I started working with the folks up there and sort of taking all those key learnings and adjustments that we had this hypothesis for here in the U.S. And I, I managed the, the, the Canadian business for a while. And then we came back to the U.S. and we launched the brand. And in four years, we were... $200 million plus, $175, $200 million plus brand. It's been on the market now for a lot of years. Right. And we're really sort of innovated in that, in what's now the RTD space. And at the time, there was no RTD space. It was, there were a couple of items that were out there. And we we lovingly said, we're going to be a defining brand for a failed category. Right. Holy crud, man. <laughs> I mean, just like, you know, there's a little bit of guilt. Beat yourself up a bit. And, but how am I going to be a defining brand for a failed category? Right. And so again, when you kind of take that underdog mentality, yeah. you really go into spaces that traditional folks don't go to. And what our, our belief was, was that if we weren't fashionable, we weren't going anywhere. And so we treated the brand like a fashion brand more than we did an alcohol beverage brand. Now, right. now today that's de rigueur. Right. This idea of marketing to aspiration is just what folks do. Right. Yeah. But we didn't do that back there. You know, that was like crazy thinking. What, what do you mean? Right. You know, um, so, so we, 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 we got to do fun stuff like that. So it, Tanks in the U.S., you had to call a product back. You yep. go to Canada. What was the moment where it sparked back and you you felt good about the relaunch? So oh, we, we felt good about that. We felt good about the relaunch the whole time. The whole time. We knew this thing was, was, was magical. Right. We just didn't know how magical magical was. <laughs> when you've got a, a small distributor up in, in, in North Dartmouth, Massachusetts, and we look for one month and there's a truckload. There's 62 trucks on order of this stuff. 62 trucks on order wow. from some distributor North Dartmouth, Massachusetts. We're like, yeah, we think we're onto something here. <laughs> and so that, that's kind of how, that's kind of, uh, you know, we, we, we got very, we were very fortunate. Got it. Yeah. So you went from beverage yep. and alcohol yeah. to pop chips. Yep. What was it like to move from alcohol to snacks? And how are you finding these like crazy? Dude, I get so lucky. Yeah. I, am, I am lucky than good, man. Um, <laughs> I, I've been very, look, I'm very fortunate. And while we'll talk a lot about right. the big brands, mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of failure too. So uh, just, just to sort of level set, yeah, it's yeah. always done. This doesn't go right all the time. <laughs> but, but no, I got introduced to Keith Belling through a very good friend of mine who was a, a, a big player at Nestle and, mm -hmm. and the like. And, and he talked to me a little bit about what Keith was doing. And Keith and I met and uh, he, he really was asking me for my help as Keith does. And uh, we, we kind of were going down a road of, well, here's some kinds of folks you should talk to. And I finally said, Keith, you know, I'm your guy. So, uh, and, and he bit, thank God, uh, you know, and, and, and so Keith and I spent, uh, five years, almost five years together, really, you know, taking pop from nothing to, you know, uh, you know, over a hundred million dollars. And it was a TSG invested company. And so we, we got to work with a great, 
equity partner there. And we got uh, Rohan Oza, who's now over at Kavu, deeply involved in that. And it was a, a big cadre of folks from, from Vitamin Water who came over. So we really, we really built this amazing sort of machine that understood, understood the sense of lifestyle. But again, with, with a lot of challenges early on, right? real, real challenges. In, and, and what I think we, we kind of learned there was focus is key and consumers can only deal with one step change. And when we first launched Pop, it was potato, rice, and corn. So you had three different bases. Right. And now you're going to fry it. I'm sorry, you're going to pop it. You're not going to fry it. You're not going to bake it. I don't even know what pop is. And now you're going to give me all these bases. So it was, for us, it was very linear, but we realized we could only give the consumer one single step change. And that was the idea of popped and you had to give them potato. And once we got that, again, a very quick learning there, but a very key learning and a painful learning at the same time, because right. you, this is your baby. Right. And then we, we, we ran like hell and built really sort of, Lifestyle through through experience and aspiration. Very 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 early in on digital. Very very early in on social. Uh, leaned heavily in on experience, and, and I'm a big proponent of experience. We'll talk a lot about that, I'm sure. So Pop was a crazy, wild, amazing ride with some just wonderful folks. But we also made sure that we 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 kept ourselves rooted in in a little bit of, of, of playfulness, which mm-hmm. was super important for the brand as well. Got it. Yeah. So you go from chips to plant-based protein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've done alcohol, Dude, snacks, know, and know, now protein. You're um, just working your way around the meal. I just, you know, you know? what, you know, I'm, I'm antsy and I don't want to, and, and I'm not, I can't do the same thing <laughs> twice. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I got, I, I was fortunate enough at, at Pop to, to work with uh, TSG, Consumer Partners, and, uh, I learned a lot through that process and I moved to LA. I was dating a woman who's now my wife. So, uh, uh, <laughs> that worked out. yeah, it worked out, but, <laughs> but, but I, I, you know, I, I went to LA and didn't really have anything to do and, uh, called some folks up at TSG and I said, Hey, you know, I really enjoyed the time together. And if there's anything that ever was interesting, um, I, I would love to have the conversation and they, uh, they were very kind to uh, put me in touch with Eve Potvin, um, who was an, another uh, of Gardein. And, uh, you know, he was a uh, he was a portfolio company for, for TSG. And um, Eve and I met and I would dare say that, uh, you know, we were very much kindred spirits and we just got each other in a way that I think, you know, very few owners and marketers have the privilege of doing because there tends to be a lot of distrust, right. um, particularly if they don't speak the language or our lingo. And we, we unfortunately have one of those, which is a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. And Eve allowed us to do some really cool things. And, and one of the things that was important for, for Eve and for, for me was to make this thing completely accessible to people. And the only way to make it accessible to people was put it in people's hands and mouths. And when he brought us on and said, uh, Hey, do this thing. And by the way, you can open up as an office in LA. I remember saying to him, you know, Hey, uh, I don't think we ought to open an office. I think we ought to open up a tasting kitchen that serves an office. And he's like, I don't understand. I said, well, we should, we're, a, we're, we're center of the plate. We're culinary. We're accessible. We're an option, not an alternative. Right. You better look and act just like what you're trying to be, which is a great meal period. And you can give all the caveats after that, but right. ultimately you're a great meal. And so, uh, he let me open up this tasting kitchen in Marina Del Rey and, uh, that functioned as a marketing office. And if you knocked on our door or walked in our big roller doors that were right off the street, we fed you wow. and it didn't matter. We fed you. And we, uh, we, we, uh, brought down the executive chef from the Vancouver office and we, we placed him in LA 
And then uh, we built on Lifestyle as the epicenter for Better For You Eating. Wow. And so we, we, we really sort of took the, the tact of we couldn't just live this idea of marketing or we couldn't just sell this idea of how to market a product. We had to, we had to really live it. Right. And the only way to live it was to surround yourself with food. And what we realized was that the best conversations about food and engagement and brand and whatever it has to be has always been around the kitchen table. And so more specifically, it's always been around the kitchen counter because right. you really want to reduce, you really want to create that intimacy. And so we really had the opportunity to create amazing intimacy with very phenomenal folks in a way that really allowed us to take that and amplify that throughout the, the brand's history. Well, that's amazing. I mean, it's a great... I think there was a mission there at the founding that, yeah. that, to provide this plant-based alternative and almost, um, you know, to your point about making it accessible, making it so easy. And I think when we talked before, you said something to the fact of we weren't trying to replace every single day. No. We no. wanted this to be one of your days. Well, what we, what we realized was that, look, what you eat is very personal. Yeah. And we all have the best intentions of, of eating the best we possibly right. can. And we fail every day <laughs> right. and failure is okay because yeah. you're not really failing. You've got to feel good about what you put in your body. And what we said was, look, even if you can reduce your traditional protein one time a week, that's a hero moment, right? It's a hero moment for you. It's a hero moment for the environment. Mm -hmm. It's a hero moment for everybody. And so for us, it was just about making it accessible and in a form that you felt good about and it didn't impact your life. Right. It almost was a non-event and creating almost non-events has really led me to what we're doing today at MIMO because right. we are the ultimate non-event, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, I know, I know we want to get there. Yeah, no worries. And we've got, it seems like we've got maybe one more sure, stop here sure, on, sure. This, right, on right. this memory Oh lane. God, man. <laughs> so you set off from, from Gardein, you went yeah. to Kavita, yeah. which sold to Pepsi yep. and then you ended up at MIMO. And now I'm at MIMO, right. Uh, mochi ice cream yes. for those that aren't familiar with the lingo. Huh? Yeah, My right, mode. right, right. So, and mochi is a really fun product. It is more fun than anybody could possibly imagine. I mean, I'm watching these videos on YouTube that yeah. you've put out and yeah, yeah. playing with it and uh, encouraging people to play with it. Well, our creative platform is play with it. Right. Our personal mission is have more fun than anybody else <laughs> and ultimately keep the weird. Right. And so when you sort of triangulate on those three things, right. I mean, my gosh, you, you know, gloves are off permission to have fun. And, and so that's really kind of what we, what we've tried to do. And, and, you know, for me, I always try to always, I studied, I spent a brief bit of time with a cultural anthropologist, which mm -hmm. was a blessing and a curse, but, but more of a blessing because what I learned was that you need conflict because <laughs> conflict is where emotion resides. And if you don't have conflict, you're forgettable. So you got to find conflict in brand because if you can find that moment where it doesn't quite fit, it doesn't, there's a, there's, there's friction. Right. Friction is your best friend. It's so good. Right. You know, there's, it's just a wonderful moment. Friction's a good thing. It's where you remember. Right. So for me, when I was looking at Mimo Mochi ice cream, I'm looking, where's the friction? And I'm like, it's dough. Right. It's ice cream. <laughs> this is effing amazing. I mean, that's just, that, and I was like, there's my friction, right. you know? So, so that was a, a, you know, a great moment for sort of realizing where we could go. And ultimately when we, when we set out to do this thing, you know, the, the vision was, very much like what we've talked about. It was bring mochi to the masses. Right. It was about being inclusive. Mm -hmm. It was about being permissive. It was about everything that you, you want in your snack. Right. And it was important for us to realize that we were a snack first that happened to be frozen mm -hmm. because you're chewing your ice cream, your handheld, 
110 calories, naturally portion controlled by the size of this thing. You're four bites and you're out. It's transactional. (laughs) It is a completely transactional moment. And you got a world of overthinking every possible step you take. You've got to, you're looking down, you're in New York today. It's a big city. Anything could happen. Your life has got more (laughs) stress and more problem and more anxiety than you could ever imagine. A snack should not be that. Right. So we are, we are the ultimate, (laughs) who cares? You know, as long as you feel good, you're good. Right. And we also knew that this dough and ice cream mixture, this thing was a textural sensation. And everything today is about experiential. And we realized we were inherently experiential. So lean into creating moments where the experience could shine. And that could be from a tasting to partnerships like with the Museum of Ice Cream or the Color Factory. But it also meant that we could adjust the retail environment in a different way. So while traditional ice cream will sell in the the freezer aisle, we knew that our consumers today are snackers first, millennials, snack more than any living, uh, any other generation, four times plus a day. It's a grab and go lifestyle. And oh, by the way, they love the gram. <laughs> and but we're colorful and we're playful and we're experiential. So we put these Mimo Mochi ice cream bars in Whole the freezers. Foods, right, right. Um, in every major retailer around the yeah, country. Okay. So Kroger's got them. Safeway Albertson's got them. You name it. Yeah. Most major retailers now have these Mochi ice cream bars in them. And what's wonderful about them is they sit in the bakery section. It's the grab and go area. Right. It's where people are coming in at all times of day. They see this colorful array. Oh my God, Mimo Mochi ice cream. And before they grab a Mimo out of the case, what do they do? They grab their phone. Uh, Take a picture. Uh, And they put it on the gram. (laughs) And they share it. Wow. Then they reach in. Yeah, yeah. And they grab one, two, three, whatever they're in the mood for at that moment and get on with their day. So the experience is a shareable moment, both physically and through the way folks communicate today, which is, which right. is all, which is all through social. Right. Yeah. So well, it's pretty cool. It's a great product. too. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's wonderful. So what brought you there? I got lucky again. Um, <laughs> I got a, a private equity group uh, named Century Park Capital, yeah. who, who's our, who's our equity partner, bought the business in 2015. And their belief, was, their, their investment thesis was to bring mochi to the masses. And so we purchased a hundred year old company. that had been doing confections, Asian confections. And by the way, they had invented mochi ice cream in 1992. So mochi ice cream is actually uniquely American. It was invented in Los Angeles. I did not know that. It was invented in our house in Los Angeles. (laughs) Mochi is Japanese. Mochi ice cream is uniquely 100% American, invented by Francis Hashimoto in Los Angeles. (laughs) So uh, you are are having an American snack. The idea was uh, Francis unfortunately passed away the family decided to get out of the business and they had this great vision of, of bringing mochi to the masses. And so when they did that, we kind of went through a process of dissecting what was awesome mm-hmm. and what was a hindrance. And so what we came up to back to what our earlier conversation was people could deal with one step change, right? So the step change was chewing your ice cream. <laughs> okay. So keep the weird. Right. That was what we kept. Keep the weird, keep dough and ice cream. Now, it's about how do you make this thing accessible? And the first stop on that is flavor profile. Right. Now, I didn't grow up with yuzu. I didn't grow up with red bean. Right. But I did grow up with vanilla chocolate strawberry. 
And if I got to get exotic, I get mango and I get green tea. <laughs> right. All right. So check that box. Secondly, it's an American snack, but it has an Asian right. component to it. Yeah, right. So we got rid of the lean into the Japanese culture that people believed, and we gave it an ode to Asian inspiration. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And then gave it a name you could pronounce, MIMO. Put it in a package in a way that's very bright, colorful, eye-catching, with a sense of flavor without reliant on flavor, and launched the brand. So we launched MIMO in 2017, so we're just a little over two years now. We're in uh, over 14,000 stores. From it's crazy. It's not. Uh, it, it's it's unreal. It's unreal. Um, it, 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 Most unreal. people are li- probably yeah. listening to this going, I just want... Well, we one did, store. Yeah, well, we, store. We, we did this completely backwards, which is, which is great. But, you know, we're in over 14,000 stores, the U.S. and Canada, a couple of places overseas, from a Wegmans to a Target and everything in between. We're omni-channel. We are in the freezer and we're in the bakery bar section or the, the, the mochi bar in the bakery section as well. What's happened to the category has, has been phenomenal. You know, the frozen novelty space has been ripe for innovation, as I think every, every category is ripe for innovation. Right. And what we found was um, people wanted their snacks. And so there was this, this need of, oh my God, you've got this surprise and delight. And they pull it right off the shelves. And this little mochi ice cream sub-segment of, a, of an area has grown since we launched the brand almost six times wow. category growth in, wow. in, under, in just about two years. MIMO mochi ice cream and, and now accounts for about 80% of that uh, market share of anybody producing my, uh, mochi ice cream. And we're bringing a significant amount of profitability to this pretty nascent category. So the vision has always been, you know, we looked at brands that were really category creating that really made a difference. You know, we looked at the vitamin waters of the world. We looked at the pops of the world. We looked at the kind bars of the world. And our vision was, has been, and will never waver from that's the same position of what we're doing. We're really creating a snack platform and really creating a platform for mochi to stand on its own. And mochi ice cream is that sort of the proof, first proof of concept. Right. Yeah. Right. So That's it's awesome. been a, it's been super fun. <laughs> well, you've got so much success. <laughs> There's been these nice, successful exits yeah. under your belt. Yeah, yeah. What have those experiences been like? Well, look, you know, exits are wonderful. Right. Exits are wonderful for uh, a few people. Yeah. And what I would say is Private equity always does well and founders always do well. And I've learned that it's, it's important that to be a true member and feel like you have a purpose in, in, in your organization, you, you ought to have some level of equity. At the same point, 
I've also learned, and I'm a real believer, that equity should trump your salary. Because you're given equity should not devalue your value to an organization. And I think that's really, really important for folks who get enamored by this startup culture and this uh, private equity-driven machine, which uh, is exciting and wonderful. And God, I wish everybody could have a chance at doing it. Boy, if you're not in it, just don't. I mean, I'm very <laughs> emotional about it because you really, you gotta, you gotta be in it. Yeah, I mean, and, and whether you can stay in this space or, or whether you, you get in or you can quickly get out cause it just isn't your cup of tea. It is uh, you, you will, you will learn what, what it is to, to sort of show up and be, and be accountable. Is there advice you'd give people listening to this that are thinking about going that direction, but they're not sure? I'd say, look, you know, if, if, if you've got, what I'd say is you got to get really comfortable being uncomfortable. That would be my first piece of advice. <laughs> if comfort is your thing, this is not the place to play. If waking up on a Tuesday and, and not knowing what's going to happen by noon is your cup of tea, then uh, yeah, man, get into this thing. <laughs> but I'd also say that, you know, it, it comes with it comes with a lot of challenges as well. And, and it comes with a lot of challenges of whims of investors, whims of founders, adjustments in business. This idea of pivots are really cool, but pivots also mean adjustments in the business as a whole and the personnel involved in a piece of business and value. So I would say that proceed with Kofsen, have some fun. And the great news is you will probably meet an an amazing set of people that who really probably care more than anything you'll ever see that you will not, you will not get that in a, in a traditional CPG, CPG world. Right. You know, it's a very small, intimate group of people who are very passionate about what they're doing and why. Right. And, and most of the cases because it's their money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's amazing. This is not necessarily something we've talked about before, but yeah. you've worked with a number of private equity firms. Yeah. In the news today, you've, uh-huh. you've got the likes of uh, Kraft Heinz yeah. and 3G Capital behind that. Yeah. They get a bad rap. But it sounds like you've had great experiences. And well, I'm just curious, like, I've been so lucky. Right. Again, I, I get to work with an amazing, I've been very fortunate to work with a select group of folks, whether directly or indirectly, in the food space, particularly. And so that's from a larger institution like a TSG mm-hmm. to really innovative folks like a VMG who have really come out in a, in a way that is completely different. And, uh, you know, folks like Wayne Wu is doing an amazing job because he's figured out how to, how to partner super well with the, with those retailers mm. in a way that, that I've never seen before. The folks over at Kavu, Brett and Ro, they're doing an amazing ability of understanding trend and how to bring that to lifestyle in a way that, that folks don't traditionally do. And that's right. a very special talent. And even the folks at, that, at, at like an Encore Capital, they take sort of this hybridized approach to it. So I've been very fortunate to, to get to work with the folks who really have a, a, a tremendous track record of bringing innovation to the mainstream in very different and unique ways. Well, it's a very, it sounds like it's a very specialized group of private equity. Investors. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and there's, there's probably a whole host of folks I haven't mentioned, right. but those are the ones that sort of come to mind yeah. as, as, as I think about the space. And, and for those folks who sort of look at how to attract private equity and, and what the business that they're doing, I'd say you do your homework on your private equity partner as much as the, homework, as much as the equity partner is doing for you, yeah. because it's, it's their job to provide value. You know, not just financial value, but true value to the, to the business and the brand. Are the levers of these growth and scale different at the different challenger brands or have they been this, been the same everywhere you go? No, they're always different. They're always, <laughs> everybody's got a different metric to go at this thing. What I would, what I would say to you is the things that, that, that really sort of stand out to me as you're growing sort of smaller brands from early stage, I'd say that for me, that lean in on experience mm-hmm. 
it's very important and really create, try to create very, very intimate moments with your brand. And for us, what that means is we want to engage in tasty conversations. And so our teams are encouraged to do smaller, more intimate rather than wide and a lot. The idea that you know the folks at MIMO is really important. And the idea that you feel like you had a very long conversation and you could call any one of us up at any time and we're that accessible is important, even if it's simply at a tasting at an event one evening. You know Russell, you know Craig, you know Angie, you know Melissa, you, you, you know the team. Yeah. And, and that's very important for us. And the idea that you, you, you create those moments is great. The other piece that, that we find is, is very important is we're digitally native. And so the ability to leverage the digital domain in a way that is effortless is very important. And so understanding when you, when you look at some of the, the video work that we do right. and some of the, some of the things that, that we, we put out there, they're nonsensical, but they make complete sense <laughs> because they give you an essence of this play. Right. And really bring this idea of weird, but wonderful to life, even if you're looking at it on your phone. That's really important for us as well. And we talk to you like a human being, because right. ultimately we're all humans. And, and that's, we try to create a very, a very uh, familiar voice when you speak with us. And Frank, we love PR. We think that it's one thing, it, it's really nice to spend media dollars. Right. And it's wonderful because you can control the message. Yeah. But third-party validation is frankly just, it's a definite need for us. Right. And so we, we, we lean in on that quite a bit. Well, and it's a jujitsu move for a small, smaller growing brand, yeah, right? Like, yeah. Cause you, you can't spend to get the reach that you, you might want to spend. Yeah. To, yeah, right? absolutely. You just don't have the dollars. We don't so have, well, you, you, you don't have the dollars, but, and, and frankly, if you did, you don't, I don't know if it's the right thing to do right off the bat. Well, you if, know? You, if you can PR it, yeah, yeah. it's a much more effective. It, play, it comes right? in, it comes with its own challenges, but yeah, we, we, we think that the PR route is, is wonderful. And, and, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of discussion on influencer marketing and, and we, we tread lightly because one of the things that's very important for us as a brand and I think as people is you have to maintain your authenticity mm -hmm. and for us ensuring that anybody who deems themselves an influencer is first and foremost, a friend and fan of the brand. And so we find ways to ensure that that relationship is sturdy before any dollars are spent. Mm. And that's really important. So we've, we, we've been very good about being able to put sort of a funnel around influencers in a way that sort of matriculates you down mm. to some level of paid work with us, but you, you won't start that way. Right. And you probably won't get that way anywhere soon, but it, it gets down to just a couple of folks who are just truly magically in love with the work that we can collectively do together. What are your top go-to-market initiatives right now? I just named Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my top go-to-markets. No, that, that, but th that's, that's what consumes us. Right. You know, that, that really does consume us uh, quite a bit. But, we, you know, we, we're like any sophisticated marketing group. We're a 360 organization. We do yeah. everything you ought to be doing. We probably pulse our, our traditional advertising a little less frequently than what I'd say more uh, robust or established brands. But the fact of the matter is that, that you have to, at some point, sort of bring it to the streets. Yeah. And so it's, it's important for us to do that. Okay. So a lot of experiential then. Yeah. And, and there will be some level of, yeah. of, of advertising that you will see this summer. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, um, one of the things I want to circle back just a minute, because one of the things you mentioned to me was 
this notion of being more creative in the digital domain. Yeah. A lot of people talk about digital and they talk about the standard stuff. Yeah. Right. So what are you talking about when you say be more creative in the digital domain? Well, uh, what I'd say to you is, is this, it's, it's, we took the philosophy of intimacy and we took the philosophy of early on with creating, doing work with creators who wanted to work on our business. And it would have been really easy to call an advertising agency and have a couple of folks who were assigned to the account and you'd be there and mm-hmm. they'd be working on it because the agency pitched the business and it won. And that's wonderful. But what we ended up doing was we ended up crowdsourcing our creative. So we, we kind of took a, a different zig early on, which was understanding sort of the communication platforms and the communication tool uh, uh, messaging that we wanted, specifically around occasion, uh, specifically around experience. And then we worked with a group called Tongle. And Tongle's an amazing platform. And what they really, what they have is a platform um, which is amalgamated about 120, 130,000 creators around the world. <laughs> and they put out a brief to their community and the community comes back with their solutions. And that has proven so wonderful for the early on DNA of the brand. So much so that when we started, you know, our, our first order of business was, well, we should put something out that sort of is playful and fun, but it should at some point tell you a little bit about flavors, but we knew that we couldn't talk. That was just sort of, didn't quite feel right. right. So we put this out to the community and, and ended up with finding a guy named Gandalf. We found <laughs> Gandalf and, and Gandalf uh, is a Frenchman and was living in, uh, living in, uh, in, in, in London at the time. And Gandalf comes with some crazy, strange ideas about creating these worlds, these moments that are reflective of what you think. So whether they be a, an office situation or they be a, a beach environment or whether it be a grocery store, but they were all, the environments were all created around the flavor profile we were talking about without actually saying what the flavor profile was. Uh, so you were in worlds of pink for strawberry. You were in worlds of green for green tea. You were in worlds of orange for mango and all of the, all of the pieces were set in that moment. And by the way, all the rooms were cut paper. Wow. And None of the storylines make any sense, (laughs) but you know exactly where you are. You understand exactly what's happening. And we take these and put them in long form, minute long videos or minute and a half. And then we cut them to thirties, cut them to fifteens, cut them to sixes, gifts, you name it. And we just created a shit ton of content, excuse me, ton of content. That's good. All right, good. All right. I I swear like like a I swear swear like a trucker and it's taken me this long to drop one. So I think we're good. Um, I've been behaving myself, but that was, that was, you know, that was sort of, and when we got back and we saw the body of work, we were like, the weird is there. And we, we love that. Keep the weird moment. So then came the idea of we needed more content and we were getting wonderful reaction and engagement with what we were doing. And it felt really on brand for us. And so we called Gandalf again and we said, Gandalf, we want to do something around uh, experience. Now, Gandalf is now living in Tokyo. <laughs> so we pack up our shit and we, we follow him to Tokyo and we lock ourselves in a, in a studio in, uh, in Tokyo for five days. And we come out with a series of videos that are put against the duality of mochi ice cream, mm. which is chewy and creamy, soft and hard. And then came out with this whole series of, again, experiential moments that make no linear sense. Right. But when you see them, they're a piece of entertainment mm. and content that 
ultimately ratchets up to that notion of play and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it's, so it's it, just fun. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just day. fun. And yeah. so the education piece happens naturally right. and organically. Pick it up. You take a bite. You move on. Yeah. For those folks who've never had it, who've had never had mochi ice cream, it's the second bite. Because the first bite is, this is really effing weird. The second right. bite is, where have you been all my life? Yeah. And it, it happens that that quickly yeah. with the brand. You don't have to do a lot of education. Right. Yeah. Surprisingly no, enough. I'm a big fan of mochi too. And I'm not saying that because you're sitting across from me, <laughs> but uh, it, it is the second. It's funny you say it's the second bite because it is the second bite. Cause the first bite you're like, what is this? It's so weird. You're not yeah. used to chewing your ice cream no. and it's texturally odd. Right. And you're not quite sure. And you tend to get a little more right. of the sweet the rice dough. Right. And you tend to get a little bit of the creaminess of the ice cream. You tend to be a little tentative. Right. And that second bite gets you the creaminess. And that chewiness is just, that's the, that's the snackability. Right. And that's where the magic happens. That chewing action yeah. is when it really works. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> well, uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Because yeah, right. uh, I always like to get to know the person behind the... Sure. And, and we've kind of been going down memory lane a little That's bit. That's terrible, so, right? But, no, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's fascinating because you've touched all these marvelous challenger brands. Yeah, yeah. So if I think about you as a person, yeah. is there an experience in your past that defines or makes up who you are? Could be anything. Catastrophic failure is an amazing moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's a galvanizing yeah, one, it's right? Yeah, it's a, it's a moment of, I did a brand right after Pop, and we had this idea of, of we were going to create alcohol ice pops. <laughs> super fun. Had a brand yeah. name, Ice Licks. Super yeah. cool. Um, we had some IP around it. And, you know, we, 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 could, we, we got some initial distribution, but what we learned was you can't change a distribution system, and it, it was a frozen product. You were trying to get out beverage companies to manage a frozen product with alcohol in it. And it just, it just didn't work. And you need a packaging innovation. And during the time money was tough to come by, you know, the, the, the bottom had dropped out of the market and uh, there was, there was nobody who was doing anything. And uh, you know, I I probably stuck with the brand a a little too long so much so that we, we, we pretty much, well, we lost just about everything. Mm. Took, uh, you know, some, 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 my personal finances and put it in there and, Thinking that you know, look, I've done this before. I mean, God damn it, this is easy. We'll, right. we'll just do this, this, and this, and we'll, we'll we'll get out there. Well, you know, it's a very humbling moment when when the forces are bigger than your own your own talent. Right. Um, and at some point, you know, that is it is a tough thing. What I learned through that failure is you learn to pick yourself up and dust yourself off. But but you also learn what you're good at and what you're not good at. What I'm good at is I'm not the guy who's going to come up with the idea mm-hmm. of the next big thing. There are way more creative folks out there who do that. And that takes real commitment and vision. But what I do well is, is I take people's good ideas and I make them really, really relevant. And what I enjoy most is I love to build an engine, but I don't want to fine tune it. And so in sort of understanding what drives you and where you create the most value in an organization, that really helps you figure out what your next steps are going to be. Yeah. You know, but it also, and it also gives you a moment to truly, truly interview the folks that, that want to work with you as well, because right. they have to be a, of a certain type as well. They've got to be just as, they have to be just as brave as you are. <laughs> right. You know, right. that's a challenge. That's, I mean, that's hugely insightful though. Yeah. I mean, and to your point, you can't have this much success without a few, <laughs> the, few, few rotten apples. Yeah. Yeah. Way, yeah, right? yeah. There's, there's a couple of little, little litters, but uh, <laughs> that, that, you know, by and large, again, very, very fortunate. Right. That's awesome. What advice would you give your younger self if you're doing this all over again? For me, I think the biggest piece of advice would be just take a breath. 
it's hard. My Momochi ice cream is dough and ice cream. Right. <laughs> you know, I am not, and it is transactional <laughs> and it is a great moment. And that's all it is, is a moment in your day. There are far bigger things in the world that people are doing that are much more important and truly meaningful for folks. And I'm in the snack business. I'm in the CPG business. I, and, and my job is to bring joy and joy comes in a lot of forms. So I think I, I would say, take a breath. It's not rocket science. Right. Get a good team, get an exceptional team behind you and let them do their thing. And you know what? Forgiveness is amazing because mistakes are going to happen. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. Well, what fuels you? What keeps you going? What drives you? I'm too antsy, man. I mean, I, I, I I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm amazed that you've I, sat still. This yeah. Long, yeah. No, I've been pretty, I've been I could, pretty I could, calm. I can you? see you, what, you jumping out of the yeah, seat. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I'm, I'm calm today. Um, no, you know, um, this is fun for me. What I'm doing today, I've never had more fun doing. This is, I wake up every day going, I get to play with my balls all day long. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. really, right. This is, what do you do? I mean, I, I could be a lawyer. <laughs> I could be a doctor. could be any number of things. And instead I play with my, 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 mochi, mochi my, my, my doughy mochi balls <laughs> all day. And that that's okay. Right. Um, and I, and I think what that means is, is again, it just kind of leads you to this space of what can I mess with today? Right. And that, that fuels me. And, and what fuels me also is working with folks who are early on in their careers, who really may not explicitly ask for a mentor, but are in need of one. And so for me, you know, it's, it's, it's all about making sure I hire the right folks who really get what they need from me mm-hmm. as much as I get what I need from them. Mm-hmm. And that's super important for me. And the other piece of that is what gets me up in the morning is I want to know that I'm, I'm helping. In our case, we have 150 people on our back. I want to make sure they got food on their table. And I take that very, very seriously. Craig and I are, uh, are very, very explicit is it's all about the people. It's all about the people and it's all about the people. And so for us, it's, you know, what do you do every day to get up to make sure your people are as happy as you are? Right. I love that. I love that. Well, I know marketers tend to monitor what's going on in the world around them. And I mean, this question is a little different than the ones I typically ask, yeah. but you know, is there, is there something that brands should be thinking about or acting on in our last conversation? You've mentioned things about like sustainability, yeah. things like that. So. Well, look, I think, I think brands have a responsibility and I use the word purpose loosely because right. purpose can come in a lot of forms. Purpose can come in a form of true sort of sense of what you're doing for the earth or what you're doing for a portion of the community. And in our case, purpose is how do we create joy and play? And so for us, it's, that's very important. But for me personally, what I look to do is if I'm involved in something as I want to do a little more right than not. And for me, environmental causes are near and dear, you know? And so what I, what I look to do is make sure that any place that I can impact the business in a way where we can do a little more right than not it's really important for us. And so it comes down to even looking at what your packaging choices are and making sure that, you know, you, for us, we have a cold chain, we can't break that. And so that presents a series of challenges. We also have to maintain a profitability in our company, but there are tools that you can use to making sure you're using things like FSC certified paperboard Mm -hmm. and the like, and you have some level of chain of control and you have some level of responsible foresting. So those, even those simple things can go a long way and just making sure that you're, being a little more thoughtful is very, very important for me personally and for, for the team that, that I work with. And uh, as someone who runs a marketing organization, you actually have a big voice in your organization of, of how you can act from a cultural perspective. Right. And if you can bring some level of responsibility of that kind of thing into the culture of the business without impacting 
the business in a, a way that's right. disingenuous. It's a really cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's great. That's great. Last question. Yes, sir. What do you think the future of marketing is going to look like? <laughs> you got your crystal ball out. Now, you know, I think what I'm really excited about future marketing is I think you can give your consumers a lot more credit than most people give them. The old school of marketing sort of was you had your brand standards and your brand guidelines right. and you didn't deviate and here was your font and you always use Century Gotham, blah, 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 you know, and <laughs> we have this gradient here and blah, 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 you know, and it's so rote. And what I found was of a love affair with Cindy Sherman, the artist. Um, I don't know her. Yeah. Go look at Cindy Sherman. She, uh, she she does some amazing things, and what you, and and some of it's really tough to to look at. Yeah. But what you realize is that she has a great variety and great breadth of work, and she remains the center of that work in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. So when you walk into a room, you may see thirty pieces of work that are so different and yet so explicitly the same that you know it's Cindy. Wow. And when I saw that, I saw an exhibit of hers a couple of years ago and I was, you know, I'm, I'm a brand marketer and it's all about continuity right. and you've got to do these things. And I looked on this wall, I was here at the Met and I looked at this wall and I went, oh shit. <laughs> like it was like, right. it, it rattled me. Yeah. But what it did was it said, you have room, you have the ability to be a little different in your pieces of communication. You have to have continuity and sameness may not be the answer. And that was just, a, and for me, I think that marketing is going to continue to evolve yeah. in, in a space of continuity and much more permissive to be different in your forms of communication. Mm. And I think that that's really cool. And ultimately, I think one of the things that's going to be so much the same for folks is intimacy and experience are going to continue to lead the charge. And if that's, it's a hard game, but that's where the reward is, I believe. I love it. Well, thank you, Russell, for coming on the show. Thank you. This is fun. Marketing Today is brought to you by Atomic. Atomic focuses on unleashing the growth potential for clients we serve. Atomic is a strategic consultancy specializing in business, marketing, brand, and innovation. Our singular goal is to help you accelerate your efforts with the right mix of expertise, analysis, and creativity. Check us out at atomic.com. A-T-O-M-C-K.com. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me, with writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, social media support by Megan Woods, art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to marketing today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 